Welcome to the Profaned Ordained Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Michael. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Profaned Ordained Podcast. It is uh, the awkward time between Christmas and New Year's. Christmas tide. Oh, oh it's not awkward, I guess. <laughs> no, it is awkward. I don't know what day it is, what time of day it is. Yeah. It is awkward. I feel like this week feels a little bit like every other week we've had for the past 10 months, so it Except, doesn't feel yeah. super special. Okay. Yeah. And also Christmas Tide is yeah. reminds me it it has this um well, I think of the Alabama Crimson Tide. No. And that's not a thing. We're on okay. our way to Epiphany. Okay. Is that what does that mean the, to you? The coming of the light. I, I I know what it. What does that mean to you? <laughs> oh, I know what it means. But what do you think it means? <laughs> Epiphany. The light has dawned. I explain it to me as like um, a, a light bulb over your head. Okay. Cause, Eureka. Because when I, I hear know. that, I think, "What about breakfast at Epiphany's?" She said, "I." <laughs> That's really close. Okay. It's similar. <laughs> similar breakfast at Epiphany's. <laughs> That's a great band name. Nineties band name. No. <sighs> No. That actually is pretty good. It's really I not. got a little, I got some chills on that one. Anyway. Okay. So yeah, we're just a couple days before the new year. Yeah, the uh, we're almost at the 20th anniversary of Y2K. So which is crazy. That is crazy because I mean I I vividly remember that New Year's <clears throat> Eve, that New Year's experience. What do you remember about that? Y2K. Y2K in general, I remember cable news. Mm-hmm. It was around then. Um, it was in its early you know teenage years mm-hmm. wasn't the mind effort that it is now <laughs> okay. um, but I do remember just so much fear right like mm. that the computers were going to reset yeah. didn't know what that meant my mm-hmm. dad's a computer engineer so I, I feel like I should have known more but I still to this day don't really know what he does yeah uh, so that's fair. Uh, but on Christmas Eve I was with my grandparents and uh, we had bought little um, champagne flutes full of like confetti that had like blue and silver confetti with like your there wasn't 2000. beverage in there <clears throat> no 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 we didn't drink alcohol openly in my family <laughs> at that point okay um, it's so scandalous to have the flutes wow. yeah well it's how far removed it was anyway oh, okay. so i just remember when the clock struck midnight we threw the confetti up in the air and it was like shag carpet <laughs> So like, so it's probably still there. It's probably still there. I mean, we didn't. There was no way we got it all up, and it was yeah. like on a recliner. Which, mm-hmm. if you ever drop anything in a recliner, it's gone. It's gone or forever. Or you lose a finger trying to get it back. So, <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. What do you remember? Um, I remember a lot of canned goods. Oh, you, your family actually and bought in and like. That's what I remember. Up. I may be making that up. Oh. You know how that happens when you fabricate something as a child. <laughs> I remember canned goods and toilet paper. Yeah, oh wait, like, is that this year? You were like twelve. Hey, let's so talk you about a child. that. You were you were legally able to get married <laughs> in oh certain states. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, does anyone else find it ironic that the canned goods and toilet paper is a theme twenty years later? It's in the it's in the water. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's the essentials. You got to eat. You got to poop. That's all you got to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you got to be able to clean it up. So. Here we are. Okay. I just think it's interesting. That's what people were doing. They were barricading in their homes, mm-hmm. and that's not unlike what everyone's doing now. To be honest with you, I was probably too naive to know what was really going on. Yeah. I do remember there being hype. a general fear around uh, the Islamic countries, okay. so um, I think that was a thing. So, I, I mean, that was definitely a thing. So, 
that was yeah, that was why we were raised differently. I was raised differently, for sure, culturally different. So, so here we are, a couple of days before New Year's. Yeah, and um, season of new beginnings. Um, I think maybe we all have attempted those New Year's resolutions. Mm. I'm personally not a fan. Uh, I celebrate privately <laughs> in the privacy of my own mind. Um, and sometimes new beginnings don't start till like March when it's not cool. Um, That's true. It's a little bit of my oh, you have to be that guy rebel. Yeah. Without a cause. I get it. So um, we're going to dive back in in this episode to starting with the uh, story of Nicodemus mm-hmm. coming to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to step into a practice. Um, and then from there, we're going to talk about this concept of initiation. Um, and I'm not going to go into it right now, but um, it's not in the popular sense. Uh, you know, we have this idea of initiation. We're going to talk about it from a, a bit more of a practical um, way that will help, I think, anyone listening to locate themselves mm. in a transformational process where they're at. So, uh, yeah, excited about what we're going to dive yeah, into. That's great. That's cool. So if we remember uh, Nicodemus in John, Gospel of John chapter 3, uh, is a Pharisee. He is part of the Jewish ruling council. He is coming to Jesus at night. And, um, and is seeking uh, something from Jesus. He doesn't really ask a question. Jesus says, well, you can't see the kingdom until you are born again. And so we're going to pick back up at that question. So I'm going to read uh, this passage. And um, whether you're driving, walking, just listening in the comfort of your sectional couch, <laughs> uh, I want you to just be aware of what kind of sticks as I read. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are already old? Nicodemus says. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. To be born. So that was just the first reading. Um, we're going to step into this practice, and if you remember from our last episode, we talked about scripture and really life. I want to expand it to our life in general. Um, any uh, experience, anything we read, um, can become for us a mirror rather than a microscope. And what that is is. Um, Scripture, in this case, can become something that reflects back to us to let us see who we are, um, where we are, what's behind us, possibly in our shadow. Uh, Mm -hmm. Scripture provides this opportunity for us to step into this rather than it being a microscope for us to search out what we maybe are doing wrong um, or how we could live better. It's not a moral microscope trying to dissect us and open us up, but it's rather a mirror to reflect back what is really there. So I'm going to repeat one phrase um, from this passage I just read three times. And uh, when I'm done reading it, I invite you, if you'd like, to pause the podcast episode and um, just reflect. You could journal. Um, I want you to think about the, you know, reflect the images that come up um, and sit with those. You can also just listen through and practice this at the end, um, but we'll move forward. So go ahead and take a deep breath. 
I'll do the same. Take another. And one more. How can someone be born when they are already old? How can someone be born when they are already old? How can somebody be born when they are already old? So I want you to just be aware of the images, the messages, the stories, the people, the emotions, the bodily sensations or feelings that rise to the surface for you. I invite you to pause the episode if you'd like right now or uh, continue forward. So what rises to the surface is likely what we could call, this is my term, but shadow material. Right, these images, these people, these messages, these feelings, they're things that we have hidden, repressed, or denied that aren't oftentimes acceptable Mm -hmm. in our normal life, I think particularly around scripture. We oftentimes try to hide them even more sometimes when we come to scripture. I think honestly, um, and this one's for free, uh, anytime we see a question like the one Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can someone be born when they are already old? Anytime we see someone ask Jesus a question, this is a golden opportunity for this kind of work, this mm-hmm. kind of um, invitation for shadow material to emerge. Because oftentimes these questions um, are part of our question. They are a, they are a human question. Mm-hmm. They're a question that's not acceptable. You can't, you can't ask this question of your pastor. <laughs> you can't mm-hmm. ask this question of your family or a friend. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's hardly a question we can ask ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so anytime we see a question like this, it, it becomes this opportunity. I felt that. You felt that? Tell, yeah, tell me a little bit. Liz, what did you feel? Well, I was just planning on sitting here and kind of faking it through your exercise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. You were, you were a little suspicious. <laughs> no, Michael, the contemplative amongst us. The monkey, as Bina would say. Yeah, we were, Instead of monk, we were at the Trappist Abbey today, and Bina got monkey and monk confused. It's yeah, fine. she was asking if this is where the monkeys live. It's like, <laughs> Close. Guess, yeah, you see that? They might I get resemble it. that. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, without making it immediately applicational and divulging my innermost thoughts here. I I mean, his question is my question. There's like a rawness to that question that I think I have to strip off the theological lens that I immediately bring to the text. I'm like, oh, this is about fill in the blank. That's not what it's about. It's about hope. Hmm. That's how I translated that. It's like, oh my gosh, I think he's asking my question, which is all the places I've 
ever given up on. Mm-hmm. How can, and I mean, ironically, we're talking about this passage heading into a new year. Mm. I mean, that's the weight that I carry with it. It's like, how, how can this be made new? I've tried and failed so many times. I've asked this question so many times unanswered. Mm. There's a sense of, um, yeah, the humanness around it yeah. bubbled up to the surface for me, for sure. Yeah, I think that there's a, this is kind of getting cart before the horse here, but I think that there is a, a liberty of freedom mm. that comes when we encounter someone like Jesus. <clears throat> so Jesus, you know, is Jesus, right? We put Jesus up on this pedestal, but the point of the incarnation is not to mm-hmm. uh, deify Jesus and and therefore the divine is no, lo- no longer with us, right? Still up there. Yeah. Anytime we encounter this Jesus archetype, this person who is in some ways a ritual leader, a elder, a mm-hmm. sage, yeah. <clears throat> um, a guide, a Sherpa, mm-hmm. we know when we meet these people, they seem whole, they seem solid, and they seem solid enough for our shadow material, our shadow yeah. questions to rise up and, and to become present. And I think that's what happens with Nicodemus is... Uh, he comes and he says, we know that you are a wise person because you do all these miracles and, and it's a British accent in, in order to... Is that to... your British accent? Oh my well, it's, it's Queen's it's, English. It's derivative. It's the Queen's English. <laughs> okay. I've been watching The Crown, watched one episode. I couldn't get past it. Anyway, it's okay. My best friend is English, so it's okay. Oh, anyway, okay. I see. It's Simon, one of those shout out to you. Okay. Um, but... He does this. He like kind of postures mm-hmm. himself, and then he postures Jesus. Like yeah. we're equal. See, we, you and I. Um, and then Jesus like subverts that completely, obliterates it, and says, "Well, you can't be. You can't see the kingdom unless you're born again." And you immediately get to what we could call a shadow question. Mm. Question. And ask beneath the ask. And ask beneath the ask. And, yeah. Uh, and that is a that is a moment. That is a. Jesus talks about the narrow way. Mm-hmm. That is a moment where the narrow way opens up and presents itself. Mm-hmm. And Nicodemus is now at this crossroads where he can either continue to go down the broad path, which is, says, leads to destruction. I think it leads to construction, continuing to construct our reality, control it. Oh, that was good. I see I what like you that. did there, Thank Michael. You. Thank you. <laughs> it's late, but still on. Okay. Uh, and uh, But the narrow way leads to this stripping away. Yeah this birth canal really of new life that that is presenting and um and so it's yeah it's a really beautiful moment for nicodemus but i think for us if we can enter in uh, Hmm. to that i like that shadow question yeah shadow question and you know you're dealing with it when you can peel it back and there's something underneath it Hmm. like what are you really asking Mm -hmm. right oh such a gift to be asked what are you really what are you really asking uh, because, it, yeah, I mean, right? Because, like, so often we we put bumpers up mm-hmm. on our questions so that they don't hurt anyone or offend anyone or, or make us look selfish or yep. make us look needy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when someone solid like Jesus comes into our life, uh, our, our, our unfiltered raw material can just kind of come out. Yeah. And that's an opportunity for, for new life and rebirth. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into this concept of initiation. Mm-hmm. Liz, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word initiation? I mean, like, 
just culturally. Like, I mean, like hazing, hazing, like yeah. fraternity. Yeah. Like, I'm in high school watching Will Ferrell in old school. Oh my God. <laughs> you which, know what image I'm talking about? Which we recently people. watched. Michael, don't tell everyone. Well, we. I didn't know. I thought it was a little more Christian. It wasn't. <laughs> you know that Will Ferrell did old school like the same year that. He did Elf. Oh, yeah, that was crazy. And there was a... We just learned this. It was a real problem. They almost didn't do it. They didn't want Will Ferrell because it was like he was Frank the Tank. <laughs> he was. And I'll now he's like it. in a family movie, which Buddy the Elf uh, and Elf is a fun, is a family Christmas movie. I didn't really think about it because I, I think of Will Ferrell as being a lot more irreverent. Mm-hmm. Then, but then he was he was just Frank the Tank and on SNL. That was his career. Anyway. Anyway. So this archetype of initiation. So we talked about archetype. Um, So to recap that real quick, um, a great example or metaphor of an archetype Mm -hmm. is a chair, right? When you think about a chair, you have an image of a chair that might come to mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're sitting in a chair while you're listening to this. I know I am. Yep, kind of. (laughs) Um, But a a chair is an archetypal image because how it's experienced in you know, in each house or each kitchen or each office is a different representation of that, right? So mm-hmm. an archetype is the, is this concept of a chair. And then how it's specified in, in particular places varies. Sure. But the archetype of the chair remains. And so when I talk about the archetype of something, the archetype of initiation, it is a universal. It's something that is universal to humanity. Mm. Anyone uh, knows what a chair is. Or it, in a different language, it might not be chair, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's the concept of something you sit in, yeah, right. And so it's something that human beings collectively know. And so, um, so this, that was a good definition. Was that good enough? Yeah, I'll okay. Just, I'm just giving you some active feedback. Okay, real thank time. you. Actually, that was helpful because it, it's not super clear to me because <laughs> it's it's like talking well, it about. It sounded really clear. Great. Okay. Great. So, um, and so by, initiation. <coughs> initiation. The specifics. May Here's, vary culture to culture. Yes, etc. Yeah. They vary culture to culture. Um, actual processes by age, by gender, right? I mean, you name it. And so the definition here's a working definition for initiation. Uh, by initiation, I mean a process, whether intentional or unintentional, um, where a person is transformed or reborn. Hmm. Okay, so that puts it really broadly. Intentional or unintentional? Intentional or unintentional. Um, in a process. So they're in a. It's a process. It is not necessarily intentionally chosen, which means it doesn't have it to. It could be, happen to you. Right. Like we in the West, in America, in 2020, and uh, even since 2000, which was also called 2000. Um, what? Right. Okay. All right. We haven't. We don't have these processes culturally. Okay. There are pockets that have processes of initiation Mm -hmm. or rites of passage but those are not common um but the unintentionality the reality is is that life initiates us right um we experience initiatory processes simply by being human for a long period of time so let's talk about some of those for example so um so let me let me say this first of all well you said examples Mm -hmm. do you have an example well i was just thinking like the the things that happen to you you're talking about natural life process. You're moving from childhood to adolescence yeah. to adulthood. Like, is that what you mean by Yeah, that? yeah. So there's life stages, right? Mm-hmm. There's, um, in fact, uh, well, you know what? Let's get to this in a second. Oh, okay. okay. 
So let me just say this. There are three phases in initiatory process. So this archetype of initiation, you could say there are three movements. There are three acts mm -hmm. in this drama. Um, and, and so the brief overview is there is pre-initiation, right? Um, and then there is transformation, and then there is return. Okay. Okay. Pre-initiation. Yep. Transformation. Mm-hmm. Return. Return. So we'll start with pre-initiation. Mm -hmm. Pre-initiation is like the 20 minutes of every movie that's ever been created. Oh, gosh, like Die Hard. Kind of like Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, Die Hard, the, the, the first movie, which we just bought on iTunes for eight ninety nine or something. <laughs> that was on you. It will and pay be, itself off in a couple of years. <laughs> next year, you'll be happy. And after that, it'll pay for itself. Because it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Die Hard's not a great example because they are immediately in, in marital just... strife. Oh, I just okay. said it. Sorry, right. go ahead. But it is kind of better than what ensues for the rest of the movie. True. Anyway, um, it's kind of like Frozen mm. 2. Frozen 2. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in the castle. Elsa, Anna, Sven. Sven. Olaf. With... Remember when I wanted to name our child Sven? Uh, Sven Simmons. That. Sven Simmons. That would have been a rough one. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, and everything's great. And there's all these moments where, like, Anna's... Uh, rolling around in the in the mosh pit with the pumpkin that deteriorates yeah, and there's does. like all these things um, and while they're doing these things right it just everything's perfect hmm. everything's perfect this is this is pre initiation it is this place of uh, is it naivete mm -hmm. is that the word okay mm -hmm. um, the world is very black and white right there is uh, Literally uh, and metaphorically, like the world is is us versus them. Mm, um, mm -hmm. It is maybe not even us versus them. It's just like there is this um, naive way of thinking that we're all us, mm -hmm. um, or we're all me. Yeah. Right. Like everyone thinks like me. I mean, this mm -hmm. is from a um, developmental psychology realm. This is like childhood, right? Yeah. Pre-adolescence. Mm -hmm. um, in pre-initiation, we're in control. There's this perception that we control our world um, and uh, and I think even in scripture right this is the manger scene mm -hmm. right we're dealing with Christmas this is the manger scene where everybody has come and they are centered around me and the light is shining and it's peaceful right like mm -hmm. there's something about that there's a lot of ways to think about them this scene this manger scene but but that is kind of what we're talking about. This very peaceful, almost oblivious, like we don't know what is out there. Don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And, um, and then there is this, there comes this uh, point. Mm. And Richard Rohr and another guy named Joseph Martos. Call, know him well. Know him well. Know him well. Um, they call it The Call uh, in, a, mm. in a book they, they wrote together a long time ago. Um, they call this threshold the call, right? Mm. So going back to Frozen 2, <laughs> Elsa's in the, in the living room, so to speak. They're mm -hmm. playing charades, and there's a fireplace, and it's warm, everyone's happy, and she starts hearing the, oh! Wow, Michael, that was really good. You hear that? Okay. <laughs> she starts hearing this, right? Mm. Um, she hears it a number of other times. She eventually goes out on the balcony, this is, I, haven't, I honestly, I don't know Lord of the Rings, I don't know Star Wars well, but I'm pretty sure that those kinds of things happen in those epic films as well. Like Luke Skywalker, Frodo have this like something that is drawing them out of this womb-like space mm -hmm. or out of this naive space mm -hmm. and everything's great. Yeah. Um, and it pulls them into um, something else. So practically speaking, 
um, you could say there are two kinds of calls, two kinds of thresholds into from the pre-initiation first stage into the second stage. Mm-hmm. There are inten- this is comes back to the intentional and unintentional. Mm-hmm. There are actual processes of initiation that you know people have done for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, there are life stages. What we were talking about about got into a second ago. That you know, when we move from uh, childhood to adolescence, adolescence to adulthood, adulthood to midlife, midlife to, to aging. Yeah, these thresholds create kind of natural breaks where we um, are invited into something. There is new life that we're on the cusp of, and there is a call happening, and we could step into it. Mm-hmm. Some do, some don't. Yeah. We'll get into that in a second. So that's kind of this. Um, these are natural ways. Mm-hmm. Then there are these. Um, unintentional. I have so many thoughts, but do you want to chime in here? Because well, I was just thinking as a, like just in terms of gender. Talk about it. Like, well, I I don't know. I mean, a lot of my work in the last five or ten years has been around embodiment and mm-hmm. thinking about as a woman. Period. You're talking about uh, childbearing, mm-hmm. menopause. Mm-hmm. These are things that naturally, you know, occur in yeah. a woman's body. As in, I didn't choose that. Yeah. Right. They just ha- it's something. That happened to me. Right. Different for men. Yeah, well, I mean, this is why, I mean, honestly, this is what circumcision is all throughout the Bible and cultures all around the world, throughout mm. history. Like, there isn't a natural way that men bleed. <laughs> there isn't something that overtly puts them in a place of vulnerability and out of the control. Mm. So, um, circumcision, I mean, like, take away all your your sermons and blah 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 and uh, zionistic christianity (laughs) and what you have here is an infliction of pain in the wound that makes a boy um, vulnerable and in need of others Hmm. right i mean like there's a lot of ways to talk about what circumcision is sure but it does something that uh, levels them up to where women are Hmm. Um, women have naturally experienced uh, menstruation and are now birthed into womanhood mm-hmm. men don't have there's not a natural thing yeah right so yeah so this is kind of what you're getting at you had a smirk on your face Do you I, have just, something to say? I was thinking oh, I didn't think we were going to talk about this but here we are yeah here we are menstruation <laughs> okay menstruation has men in it so womanstration <laughs> circumcision is menstruation for the penis <laughs> is that good enough for you oh my okay. god. alright so oh. Late. Right. So get so this unintentional, this unintentional way that we're initiated comes often with crisis. It is sudden loss. Yeah. It is um, uh, a sudden realization that your marriage is falling apart. Mm-hmm. You lost your job. You lost your job. I mean, not only lost your job, but you've like uh, maybe even been been defamed, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's. Yeah. I mean, these are. Uh, Carl Jung would uh, was quoted once. He, he was talking about a man who came in for analysis and uh, maybe this like kind of idea of a man that would come in and say, I got a job. And Jung would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. But another man would come in and say, I was fired today. And Jung would say, wonderful. Now we have something to work with. Hmm. And um, <clears throat> this is hard. This is, I mean, this is an icky part of this. The reality is, is that to live as human is to suffer. To be human is to experience loss. Mm-hmm. It is to experience crisis. There is no way around that. Yeah. Uh, there are attempts at that. 
but it to be human is to lose people it's to lose relationships it's to lose parts of us like our bodies stop working i mean we die everyone who's ever lived has died so this is what it means to be human and so mm. these this other threshold so there's natural or or, or uh in, you know intentional mm-hmm. processes and then there are unintentional and so these are what move us they create this threshold between pre-initiation and and the middle phase which is transformation transformation yeah any thoughts or questions right now liz i was just it just popped into my mind um i remember the summer uh when i was biking listening to richard Rohr's adam's return mm. and he has these like seven things that he says throughout the book but one of them is you are going to die yeah and that yeah just the universality of that yeah that death comes to us all mm-hmm Right, and um, and it's not just the end of life. Yeah, I mean, that's true. End of a chapter, moving, mm-hmm. any great transition or seasons ending, for sure. Yep. Well, and, and that's how all things are, right? Mm-hmm. All of creation cycle. moves through this. Everything. And it, even things that are meant to be indestructible do this. Mm-hmm. But somehow, you know, I think humanity, we have it in our mind, particularly Christians, have it in our minds that, like, we are indestructible. Yeah, the um, denial of death. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. denial of death. And because of the denial of death, we are denying life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't think of a more lifeless kind of human being than someone who clings so tightly to their eternal destination. Mm. Um, not out of a place of hope, but a place of scarcity. Mm. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that to me is the saddest person that exists uh, because there is a... A denial, this denial of death, is actually keeping them stagnated from actually entering into life. It's like, hmm. it's like an apple tree that just refuses to drop its apples, right? Yeah, that's gonna rot right on the branch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and what do you have at the end of that? I mean, we had our apple tree pruned a few months ago, and I saw them cutting the branches off, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my god, it looks terrible. They've cut so so many apples just fell, and so many branches. Like we're not gonna have near as many apples. And I later learned that if they hadn't done that, it would eventually kill the tree. It would droop it so far down, the sun would bake the the, um, the inside of the tree, and it would just die from the inside out. Like it needed, that makes sense to me. Right, that makes sense. And it makes <laughs> sense. And it makes sense that we need to enter in. We need to hear this call. We need to enter into this middle phase because if we don't, yeah, the pre-initiatory phase, though it is wonderful and comfortable, comfortable and comforting, uh, it it it. it can't sustain life mm-hmm. it it doesn't have a cycle to it and yeah. life requires a death process so mm. so this transformation stage we still we still good here liz yeah, i'm good okay so we're at 30 minutes let's keep plugging just yeah okay all right so this middle stage of transformation it's this disillusioned place it's what we often talk about when we talk about deconstruction mm-hmm. That's um, like the favorite buzzword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe a few years ago. It's still lingering. <laughs> it is. It's, um, this is a place of limbo. It's a place of incubation. Um, mm. uh, it really is the womb, mm-hmm. right? It is. Jesus talks about you must be born again. This is actually the process of that. This is where you find, um, is it gestation? Am I using that term correctly? Okay. <laughs> Do you mean are you pronouncing it correctly? I don't know. Or are you, you, uh, it's fine. Both. <laughs> This is the waiting. This is what you mentioned last episode about the belly of the whale. Yeah. Right? This mm-hmm. is Jonah yep. in the belly of the whale. This is 
this is the place where we actually lose control. Mm. It is a is a it is so, so disorienting that our typical ways of navigating relationships in life all bets are off. All bets are off. Yeah. Right. Like, I have been there. You have been there. I, I have been, been there. there. <laughs> I think honestly, it's such a sense of lostness. There is yeah. no map. Yeah. True north. There's right. no compass. Right. You are out to sea. You have right. no idea which direction land is, and all your normal ways of getting there mm-hmm. are out the window. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. I mean, this is the leaving the land that we know. This yeah. is Abraham being called to a land that he, he does not know. This is um, the Israelites being birthed literally out of Egypt through the, through through the, the birth w- canal and water of the Red Sea. Right. Oh, and, it's so profound. I mean, it's... It I mean, I know you don't, you don't have a birth canal. I don't personally. You don't know personally. Own one. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Yeah. And it is a Red Sea. oh my i never thought about it but you're right it's water and called the red sea that's exactly my secondhand experience (laughs) just a red sea (laughs) except the waters weren't parted completely the whole time michael i'm not talking i'm talking personal it was just i passed out a little (laughs) you did you weren't even there i'm just kidding you were okay (laughs) i wasn't there i I meant because you were like not conscious. Okay, I was. Let's... It was because Bina was blue, and then she was also like a claymation doll. and because she was a, she was my daughter, and it was like it's like oh my god, I'm a father. I don't know what to do with okay, it. Okay, let's but, move okay. on. Anyway, so um, it's this. Um, so we here's what's crazy. I think in any movie you watch, you book you read, epic tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the middle phase, you encounter some very strange creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, think about Luke Skywalker in the in that bar. Oh yeah. On planet, I'm not even gonna pretend to know. That's like the first time I like went to a coffee shop in Portland. Oh yeah, there you go. I mean, this, absolutely. I like, it's like this is like uh, Voodoo Donuts, like downtown Portland, right? I mean, this is kind of the scene, right? Like, wow, there are, there are people here. Like, what's on this donut? Right I didn't know God had created, and here we are. Here we are. So I mean, I, I think that we we see this we see this image these images um, throughout movies. So think about the movie that you know comes to mind. Um, this is, um, so So some of these strange creatures, here's the thing about what we encounter, these people who have wisdom that we don't have. And we need. We need. Some mm-hmm. of them are there to deter us and mm-hmm. to lead us off track. Mm-hmm. Um, some are there uh, to help us. And, um, and oftentimes they aren't, it's not immediately apparent who's who. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes the ones that maybe previously would have been the ones that would help us are actually the ones that would deter us. Mm-hmm. For, for a lot of people raised in the Christian stream, there are oftentimes people who would actually try to pull you back out mm-hmm. of that. And Transformation. We'll to, yeah, they'll get the pull you back in that pre-initiation phase mm-hmm. where you don't have to be in this. Everything's right? comfortable. Yep. Everything's comfortable. We're going to pull out of this. Like, God doesn't intend this for your life, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes these strange creatures, these could be just normal, you know, whatever. People, these could be dreams. These could be mm-hmm. um, things we read. But they're actually pulling us deeper into this transformational space. Mm. Um, and the risk, and because we've lost all control, the risk is that we have to trust what we previously wouldn't have trusted. Yeah. Right? Mm. Um, in, the, in the transformation stage, we encounter the other. Um, uh, they often hold elements of us that we've repressed or denied. Mm-hmm. Um, they, are, they represent and reflect back our shadow. <laughs> um, and um, I'm seeing here, let's like like in scripture, images of the whale 
um, uh, uh, what's his name with the long hair? Gets it cut off. What's his name? Samson. Samson. <laughs> Close. Uh, Samsonite. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> oh encountering the lion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the talking donkey. Uh, one of those Old Testament stories. Mm-hmm. Um, images of dragons, of spiders, um, rats. Sounds like you've had dreams about. I have had such some of these creatures. Um, snakes. Um, the seductress. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the violent warrior. These are all images of people that um, come in the middle phase that may look like they are there to harm us, but they actually are kind of allowing these shadow elements to start to emerge. Can I give you a real-life example? Yeah. Reminds me of, so in season one I talked about this, of having a, a woman across the room who was a flight attendant, mm. and she starts doing her flight attendant motions. This is on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. She starts doing her flight attendant motions, but to the beat. And she's calling to me across the room. Okay. And she represented to me someone who, in my past life, would have been someone who humiliated me. Mm. And suddenly this flight attendant dancing woman is calling to me. And I'm like, that's me. Mm. You have something that I need. Mm. And I just let myself be sucked into the dance circle. There you you go. know, Like, as an example. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a, you know, a lion or a snake. Right. But yeah. something that I would have othered. Yes. Previous to that moment, mm-hmm. suddenly I was like, she has something that I need. Yeah. And what what it is is part of me. Right. You recognize in this place, because all bets are off, because all sense of control is gone, mm-hmm. you, it's almost like the palate is cleansed. Yeah. And now you're able to start to see parts of yourself that you haven't seen. And that night, I found myself mm. dancing around a fire like an idiot. Mm. It was the freest I have oh. felt in years, mm. you know? But I don't know that I could have done it without mm. that woman calling to me from across yeah, the room, right? absolutely. And it was just a dance floor. But that's yeah. the place where I was most humiliated. It is. You know? Dance floor is a place of humiliation. I mean, I think that the middle phase is a place of humiliation. Most mm-hmm. rites of passage have ritual, literally yep. have ritual humiliation. Yep. Right? Uh, oftentimes that inflict physical wounds. <laughs> and we would hope. That, that's not the case. Right, but but here's the thing. There's a part of, I think it's something about humanity that mm-hmm. needs this, that mm-hmm. needs to uh, experience the wound. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not self-inflicted in terms of, um, actually, you know, I think self-infliction with wounding uh, is a way to actually escape that. It can be a way used to escape that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about ritual wounding, which is oftentimes... Um, well, we could get into a lot of things here, but You're talking culturally, culturally, um, I think, you know, um, you know, like men's weekends I've been on. One of the ways that men are ritually wounded is through this participating in processes voluntarily that actually strip them of their ego and mm, persona it's mask. A stripping right? Of ego. It really is a stripping away. It like pulls us away from this. It Getting us, us closer to the dirt. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Um, so I want to dive into this real quick. Mm-hmm. There are two responses, I think, to this phase mm-hmm. um, that are very much popular um, right now. I mean... Or all time, for all time. <laughs> yeah. but there is... Um, so there's first the religious response to the, the middle phase of transformation. I'm going to read this quote um, from Rohr um, and Joseph Martos. It says... Normally, the hero <clears throat> never passes through to enlightenment until uh, he or she has sustained a number of wounds, disappointments, and paradoxes. 
It is the struggle with darkness and grief that educates the soul. Hmm. The easiest substitute, of course, is religion. Hmm. It substitutes answers in too easy certitude about past and future for simple present awareness. Strange as it seems, religion commonly avoids true enlightenment. It shows itself in tribal, narrow thinking, more based in fear and control than in a daring search for God. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, this is much of Protestant spirituality, I think. I mean, it is, much of it is such a guard against transformation. It's like, I'm going to... Jeremiah twenty nine eleven right. this mother yeah until <laughs> yeah yeah as soon as you're in that place you know the plan the, the plans that God has for you mm-hmm. plans to prosper, prosper. you're gonna prosper not to harm you yeah plans for a future and a hope not what you're experiencing right now which is not a future and no hope mm-hmm. right um, that is this pulling out I mean I think so much of it I mean it's not just these verses I mean I think so much of what we've experienced in church is trying to um, bypass the middle phase. Well, it just pulls you right back. Pull it right out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. people just end up cycling around pre-initiation. Yeah. Instead of allowing themselves to enter into transformation. Right. And move through mm-hmm. that birth canal. Absolutely. Yeah. It is It is um, essentially trying to keep, um, it is a denial of death. And, therefore, and you know it when you see it. And you know when you see it. And it's a denial, therefore, yeah. of life. The second way that people respond, and I would say most people listening to this would maybe fall in this category, and you may stop listening after after we talk about this. But a are you lot, about to do a call out, Michael? No, okay, no, okay. Maybe. But the oftentimes how people respond in middle phase is um, what could be called stagnated deconstruction, mm. or cr- uh, what others um, write about as chronic liminality, right? Hmm. This middle phase is this liminal space. Time kind of stands still. You're on the threshold. Yeah, you're in a threshold space, this transformational space. That's what liminality is, but it's this chronic liminality. I've arrived in this place where all that I've been wanting to feel and think is now rising to the surface. Mm-hmm. And Everything that, f- that I've known is shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I've met people who don't judge me or who are guiding me, who are challenging me. Um, and then, and then, sometimes it stagnates and the challenge kind of dies off, mm-hmm. and it becomes kind of um, a, a culture within, a culture around us where we're just jaded, mm. right? Um, we're not able to move forward. We're, there's not a transformational process happening anymore. It's almost like the reverse has happened, right? We've now um, the shadowed parts of us that are, you know true parts of our humanity have risen up mm-hmm. and there's so uh, we, we don't know what to do with the cocoon of pre-initiation these parts of us that have kind of existed that we have presented to the world as good and wonderful and beautiful and perfect we don't have to do those so we then shadow that mm. and and so we get stuck in this chronic liminality where our shadow is present but now we are shadowing, you know, parts of us that are needed to actually uh, get up and move and 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 engage the world. Reconstruct. To reconstruct. I mean, this is this is what you talked about, like the liturgists. I have my own opinions about liturgists. I think they've done a lot of good work for people. I think they've they've been culture shifters in in many ways. They've mm-hmm. named things that we've needed to name, and then there's like. N- 
there wasn't for a long time. I think that's changing now from mm-hmm. what I hear. Yeah. But there wasn't for a long time any movement back. Mm-hmm. Right? And so there was this like, the well, state of deconstruct, deconstruction. Yeah, and it becomes isolating, right? Um, this isolated deconstruction. It goes back into the against kind yeah. of space. Sure, yeah, us versus them. It becomes another form of pre-initiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it calcifies. It, it, it just kind of, yeah, it stagnates. Um, and so... The it's so ironic, I mean, religiosity on the one hand, or this sustained, mm-hmm. deconstructed state. Yep. We're like, I don't. Everything that I have has been stripped down, but the way forward is so unclear. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because we don't have ritual leaders to move right. us through. Yeah, yeah. Without ritual leadership, this is a great segue here. Without that, we start to identify with the middle phase. Mm. Um, we start to become kind of comfortable in this distant land. Um, we start to, I mean, like I haven't really done any work around this on the biblical front, but this is kind of what happens you see in the Old Testament of like Israelites kind of just settling into these lands and like not continuing to um, obey Yahweh, right? Like There's this kind of assimilation with the culture around them right and they right that that's kind of what happens as opposed to like the continual transformation Mm -hmm. that is happening Mm -hmm. there's too much to dig into there way too much um but this idea of ritual leadership when we don't have that when we have um you know this movement into transformational space we need guides we need people to move us um uh through that phase right this is yoda um, this is Samwise. Um, I mean, practically speaking, this is this is often the role of counselors, therapists, spiritual directors. Spiritual directors. Yeah. Um, these are midwives. Pe- of midwives, the soul. right? Yeah, they're midwives yeah. of the soul. Absolutely. Um, these are the people who actually are are there to guide us through the birth canal um, and into the third phase, which is return. Mm-hmm. And um, and so return, this return phase is the integrative phase. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, um, you know, our spiritual practices, our relationships, um, our primary lens uh, is to see, uh, seeks to welcome our shadow rather than avoid it. Mm. Um, and really we do the same for others, mm-hmm. right? It becomes a way in which we move around the world, uh, move about the world. It's reconstruction, it's integrated and integrating it's not it hasn't arrived right because life is no longer destination oriented it's process oriented it's and life cyclical. it's cyclical it's life cycle oriented rather than like i'm born and i die and and then i'm reborn somewhere in the middle and that's what life is yep. it's actually a process of being reborn again and again and again mm-hmm. um you know we we no longer are in this us versus them but in a we um, orientation, but mm. the we is not naive, right? Right? It doesn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's aware. It's awake. It's a. It's aware of injustice. It's aware of boundaries being crossed. Mm-hmm. It's not naive to those things. Yeah. It's very much. It's more awake than it's ever been, and yet it's still able to see the humanity in another person. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. So this is, you know, the the one who is in return, um, is is comfortable or integrating their their dark side, mm. right? The parts mm-hmm. of them that are in their shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, this is their primary work. In fact, I think this is what 
salvation becomes, whether someone might say that or not, salvation is no longer this destination towards heaven, but this process of welcoming all these parts of myself. Which is, you know, makes sense. I mean, that that word for for salvation is sozo. Mm. It is a wholeness. It beckons that shalom, that deep wholeness, friendship. I mean, it is... um, all is right and good in the world and peace together and wholeness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this wholeness that you're talking about, you know, God no longer is up there. Yeah. God, even maybe, you know, for me, I can tell you this. Um, like I said to God the other day, I know your name's not God. <laughs> like mm. God becomes, uh, it, and this was obvious, an obvious statement and yet kind of like, I needed to say it because even saying God feels like, oh, this is silly because you're way, you're way, you feel way too close to me to call you by that, that name that we created in the English vernacular. Like mm. God becomes no longer somewhere else, mm. but God becomes kind of all present um, yeah. and, and very aware of who I am. There isn't a part of me that I'm constantly dancing around with God. Yeah. It becomes, it is, it, I, I welcome that in and God becomes aware of it. And I've done the work to introduce both myself to those parts, but also the divine mm-hmm. to those parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is what it means to be born again. This is this process that we just described is what Jesus is talking about. Mm-hmm. You must be born again. You must enter um, back into the womb to answer the call and be in the womb. This process of transformation, and you must be born again. Mm-hmm. Um, the return, the return, and it's a return to where we were. It's a return to ordinary life and space. But there's been this change. There's mm-hmm. been this integrative process. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is what Jesus talked about when he talks about a grain of wheat must fall to the earth. This is the um, the uh, the last shall become first. The least of these. This is the the idea of taking up our cross. This is the process of being initiated. Mm. And you know, we are not healed by his wounds because some because of because of some sort of punitive justice. Mm. Um, Jesus is not our bypass. Jesus is not our bypass mm. or our cover from suffering. Yeah. Uh, Jesus uh, is the one who is our initiator, mm-hmm. who leads us into these processes that are what it means to be human, to mm-hmm. suffer, right? And he leads us through these. I mean, it flips the whole thing on its head. When you think about, is Jesus our, our savior or is Jesus our initiator? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus initiating us into and being our Sherpa through this process, our midwife, through this birthing process and this return. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave with this um, uh, final quote, and it's from Arnold Toynbee, um, and it's very simple, uh, and it kind of ties this up. He just says, only birth can conquer death. The birth, not of the old thing again, but of something new. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Profaned Ordained Podcast. You can find us at innerworkcommunity.com. Catch you next time.